sermon number 576, Life's Hindrances, preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on August 1, 1971. The text is Galatians 5, the seventh verse. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Paul's letter to the Christians at Galatia, we, beginning, we begin to read at the fifth chapter, the first verse. Freedom is what we have. Christ has set us free. Stand then as free men and do not allow yourselves to become slaves again. Listen, I, Paul tell you this. If you allow yourselves to be circumcised, it means that Christ is of no use to you at all. I want to emphasize this and say again to any man who allows himself to be circumcised, he is obliged to obey the whole law. Those of you who try to be put right with God by obeying the law have cut yourselves off from Christ. You are outside God's grace. As for us, our hope is that God will put us right with him. And this is what we wait for, by the power of God's Spirit working through our faith. For when we are in union with Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor the lack of it makes any difference at all. What matters is faith that works through love. You are doing so well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? How did he persuade you? It was not done by God who calls you. It takes only a little yeast to raise the whole batch of dough, as they say. But I still feel sure about you. Our union in the Lord makes me confident that you will not take a different view and that the man who is upsetting you, whoever he may be, will be punished by God. But as for me, brothers, why I am still persecuted, if I continue to preach that circumcision is necessary. If that were true, then my preaching about the cross of Christ would cause no trouble. I wish that the people who are upsetting you would go all the way. Let them go on and castrate themselves. As for you, my brothers, you were called to be free. But do not let this freedom become an excuse for letting your physical desires rule you. Instead, let love make you serve one another. For the whole law is summed up in one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you act like animals, hurting and harming each other, then watch out, for you will completely destroy one another. Paul was very, very angry when he wrote these words. He felt he had a right to be. After all, he had helped to establish the church in Galatia. Personally, he had gone and preached to those people, and under his ministry they had been converted to Jesus Christ. 
Now those Christians were having difficult times. The Church, to put it bluntly, was in trouble. There were factions and dissatisfactions, and Paul was angry. And he couldn't quite understand it, because under his leadership, the Church and the Christian in Galatia had had good beginnings. They had begun to run very well. The race that God had set before them they had undertaken with great enthusiasm. But now things weren't going so good. False teaching and polluted theology was rampant in those early Christians' lives and in the program of their church. And Paul wrote a very thundering letter to those Christians in Galatia, wanting to know why, what happened. And notice in the seventh verse of this fifth chapter, he writes, Who hindered you from obeying the truth? You see, it was Paul's conclusion that the hindrance in the Church and in the lives of those early Christians was being caused by outside forces, namely through the personality of people who could be considered the enemies of the Christian faith. Like many of you, he always associated problems with other people. And he felt that if he got rid of the people, he could get rid of the problem. And that led him to say some very unchristian things concerning the future of these people. Are you not somewhat amazed when you hear the Apostle Paul, that great lover of the soul, that great first century missionary, saying some of the things that he says in this particular passage concerning those whom he feels are individuals who are hindering the Christian gospel in Galatia. He wishes for some of them that God's punishment would come upon them. He wishes that others would go away and get lost and never come back. He said he even wished that some of them would hurt themselves, even castrate themselves. That's horrible. That's a horrible condemnation. And especially for the Christian to make, and we have rather a difficult time, do we not, reconciling these particular words with the other words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, where he teaches the greatest treatise of Christian love. It's hard to believe that the same words could came from the same tongue and the same writings from the same hand. But sure enough, here it is, Paul condemning these people to the punishment of God, to self-hurt, to destruction. But you and I can understand Paul, can we not? Because how many times in our lives have we felt that the reason we cannot get things done and the reason that the Church of Jesus Christ cannot get things done is because of the hindrance which comes from other people? I'm sure many of you have been in a similar circumstance where you really thought that at the job, or even in the church, maybe even in your home, 
if you could get rid of that one particular person, all your problems would be solved. If that person somehow would disappear, or if God would do something to take that person out of the way, even if he got hurt, things for us would be much better. I know there are many people who claim that they cannot be better Christians because of so-and-so in their lives. I know there are individuals who stay away from the church because of that particular preacher, because that particular person is an officer in the church. I've never met an alcoholic yet who could not give you the name of an individual who was the cause of his problem. How foolish we are when we think that we can get rid of problems by getting rid of people. Well, sometimes I guess it works that way, but many times that colleague does disappear. God in some way does remove that person. But oftentimes the problems are not solved, are they? And we find that even though the person is gone, the problem is still there. You see, ladies and gentlemen, the hindrances which come to us in life do not always come from some outer influence. They are not always imposed upon us by other people. Oh yes, there probably are some organized groups that are trying to destroy the church and destroy the individual Christian, and sometimes these forces do bring hindrance and troubles and problems into the midst of a blessed community like the church, and sometimes they are very active in the lives of some of us who are trying to do the will of God. But not always are other people the cause for the hindrance and the problems that we have in our lives. I'm sure the Apostle Paul would agree with me that sometimes we have hindrances in our lives and we become a hindrance to the future of the kingdom when we lose our aim for living. The lost aim. That's one of the best things that I know to help cause confusion and disruption and hindrance not only in the life of a Christian but also in the life of a church. The lost aim. And I really think that that was one of the problems here at the Church of Galatia. I would like to submit to you the idea that one of the reasons that those Christians were right for polluted theology and for false teaching was that they were individuals who somehow lost their aim for why it was that God had redeemed them through Jesus Christ. Or oh, they knew they were saved, but they had lost the reason why they were saved. They knew that they had been made free and born again in Jesus Christ, but they had lost sight of the reason why. You see, when God calls us through Jesus Christ to become new people, 
He is really helping us to start life all over again. And he expects us to use the different things that he has given to us in the way that he would want so that we can worship God and glorify him forever. The Catechism puts it very distinctly. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And those Galatians were called into this new faith, born anew, mind you, so that they could really find the lives that God intended them to find when he created in the first place before they became polluted with sin. Now he gave unto them all types of graces to help them to find this new faith, to reach that goal. But these people, instead of keeping their eye on the goal and keeping their aim on the beam, they in turn began to use one of the means of grace that God intended for them to use as a way of getting there and turn that means into an end of itself, namely the right of circumcision. So instead of using this particular ancient, ancient sacred right of the Jewish community as a stepping stone to following the will of God and doing his will, they in turn made that particular stepping stone an end unto itself. And when you do that as they did it, you lose your aim. You lose sight of the goal. And this is very important to remember because I think there are many of us who are a hindrance to life and find our life being hindered by every force and every from every direction simply because we have lost sight of our goal as human beings redeemed in Jesus Christ. You see, God has so, so wondrously blessed us. He has given us so many things. But the biggest problem we have is, is to keep from turning these blessings into curses, these means into ends unto themselves. Take money. God has given us money to use as a means to glorify him and to enjoy life, life with him forever. But when we begin to use our money in some other way than in the glorification of God, and when we begin to worship money as an end in itself, that money is going to come to curse us. It's going to be a hindrance eventually to us in our way of life. Take the mind. Take the talents, which come to us strictly as gifts from God. You cannot buy your mind, you can train it, but the basic matter is there as a gift from God. The reason that you have great talents in some way is not because you are an individual who has maybe taken advantage of the things that God has given to you. You have these first of all because God has given you these talents. Well, when we take these minds and these talents and we do not use them for the glorification of God and begin to worship them as ends in themselves, they eventually turn out to be monsters and hindrances to us in life. Take love. Use it other than as God intended 
And as even the trashy paperbacks and the art and the ex-movies are trying to tell us today, love, which is supposed to be the most beautiful thing in all the world, becomes a hindrance and a curse. Even in the church, we've got to be especially careful because there's a tendency sometimes to make the church an end unto itself. The church, prayer, Bible reading, the sacraments, these are means of grace that God has first given to us to help us to worship the one who created them all. But when we take them and think that a program is sacred and something cannot be changed and, and worship those things as ends in themselves, we lose aim of the goal that we have in life. Please forgive personal reference, but you just don't have a man around a church for 40 years without having that person make a profound impact upon a community, upon individual lives. Many of us lost a good friend in Ray Nicholas. He was a man who worshipped last Sunday, back in his regular pew where some of his members, members of his family are sitting right now. One of the things that Ray Nicholas was able to teach me, and this man was very influential in the rebuilding of this church in the late 40s and in the 50s, and was always a strong supporter and contributor not only of his talents but of his time to the building of this church. But one of the things that he always taught me was the simplicity which he had and which I felt he never lost in trying to fulfill the aim which he felt was from God for his life. He was a man who never said too much. He was a man who was very silent but very strong. You can read it in the history of our centennial which he wrote, and those of us who knew him well were reminded time and time again of the subtle influence which he gave and which he had for this church in helping us not to lose our vision. The people who have no vision, they perish. We're going to miss men like Ray, men who were able, in simple ways, to keep us honest, men who tried through their influence to make sure that this church did not lose its aim for existence and the goal for which it was commissioned become truly an instrument of God in the world today. It's a hindrance when a man like this leaves our midst, and we're counting upon some of you to take his place. For when an individual or a church loses its aim, there's nothing but hindrance in our own lives and in the lives of all the world. Yes, these people, I think, found hindrance in their lives because they lost their aim. 
and also because they were too complacent with self. I'm sure that's another way that Paul would agree that an individual can find problems in his life. When he is just too blame-satisfied with himself and with the way things are. These people in Galatia really, I think, were individuals who either refused to rethink their prejudice in the life in the light of Christian theology, people who refused to examine their ethics in the teachings of Christ, people who refused to look again at the answers which they had always had to see if they were consistent with the teaching of the Son of Man, or they were individuals who felt that there was absolutely nothing that could be done to change things for the better. And when an individual becomes so complacent that he refuses to look again at himself in, as measured by the mirror of Jesus Christ, or no longer thinks that things can be changed no matter how bad they look, then that individual is an individual who is a hindrance to the kingdom of heaven. This is atrocious theology. And when people think they are the way they are and they cannot be changed, that's a contradiction of Jesus Christ's teaching. You'll remember that Jesus Christ throughout the Gospels was not an individual who only was trying to comfort the disturbed. He spent as much time in disturbing the comfortable. He told us not only that we can be born again, but that we must be born again. That an individual by the power of God's Holy Spirit can change. He can become a new creature. The old things can be thrown away. And he is a new man in Christ. But when a church, or when an individual, thinks that things are all right as they are, and things cannot be changed for the good, and there's no need to change things, to bring those things which God would have changed into reality and preserve those things that God would keep, then that church or that particular individual will find not only many hindrances coming in upon him, but he as well will be a hindrance to the advancement of the kingdom of God. And thirdly, We are hindrances to ourselves and find problems thrown in our way when we are people who forget the unloving spirit. According to the teaching of Paul in writing to the Galatians, this was one of the things that they seemed to have missed in their conversion. Oh yes, they were Christian in name, but I'm afraid they were not Christ-like in character. Because, you see, he must instruct them here again that they must be individuals who put on the love of Christ. He is constantly reminding them that it is absolutely necessary if they are going to help the kingdom and be a power in their own lives that they must be people who have the love of Jesus Christ. You see, there are all ways of getting things done in the world. The politician says the way to get things done is through argument and persuasion. 
Business says the way you get things done is through organization. The military says the way you get things done is through fighting. For 2,000 years, the Christian faith has been saying there's only one way to get things done, and that is through sacrificial love. There is no other way. It's the way God used, and if God used it before in giving us Jesus Christ, it's the only way God can bring in his kingdom. And we can love because he first loved us. But without that loving spirit and being unlovely and unloving in spirit, we can be people only who not only cause problems in the world, but we will find that all sorts of hindrances will be standing in our way of life. Now that kind of love that God is talking about in Jesus Christ is not easy. He knows that it is not easy to pray for those who persecute you, to love your enemies, and to do good unto that blankety-blank neighbor who is so darn inconsistent and inconsiderate of your feelings. But the Bible never said it would be easy. As a matter of fact, the Bible says you try to love that way without the help of God and you can't do it, you'll fail. You can love that way only when the Spirit of Jesus Christ is within you, helping you. You can only love with the love of Christ Jesus when the love of Christ Jesus is within you. If you try to do it any other way, you'll fail. And it is only Christ's love in you as you command your mind and control your spirit even to love that which is unlovely and to love your neighbor as yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, you see, it's hard to say exactly why hindrances come into our lives and why oftentimes, instead of being a part of the solution, we are part of the problem. Maybe it is because there are external forces forcing their way into our midst trying to pollute and destroy the church and the Christian. If that is the case, there's not too much we can do about it, can we? For God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Those particular enemies are up to God. He alone can deal with them. But when we are a hindrance to the world, and when our lives seem to be encumbered with all types of problems and hindrances, let's take a good look. Look within here, because we may find that these hindrances come from the lost aim, the complacent self, the unloving spirit. And these hindrances, we can do something about them through Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, for all of thy blessings we thank thee and help us as we try to grow in the likeness of Jesus Christ, whose we are and whom we serve. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.